We told you after the game, they were going to be talking about the tight. Two cans of beer a day, and that's your bleeding lot. And now we've got an extra one because they stopped the tots. So we'll put on our civvy clothes, find a proper shore. A sailor's just a sailor, just like he was before. Welcome to the Coach's Corner with your host Ryan Watson and Jonathan Bourne, brought to you by Broadway Sports Media, partnered with 440 Sports. Find all of our great content at broadwaysportsmedia.com. If you're viewing us tonight, I don't know how the hell you are because we're doing a podcast-only show this week. We will bring the live streams back next week, but... Titans were on a bye, no real plays to break down uh, from that, so we'll bring the live the uh, live stream back next week. Uh, your host needed some some time to themselves, you know. I don't know what to tell you. It was a bye week, not much to talk about, not much to break down in those moments. But Jonathan, how are you doing, sir? You know, uh, feeling a little bit recovered off the bye week. It, it was, has been a long season. You got to get. I think uh, Vrabel actually talked about it. You're not only getting physically healthy, you got to get mentally healthy in the bye week. So. I think it uh, came at a good time, and uh, we're ready to go. Yes, bye week definitely came for a good time for us. came for a good time for the Titans as well, because leading up to it, two two straight losses, dropping this last one to the Patriots, losing 36-13. to 13. Uh, You know, I got to ask you, Jonathan, your, your thoughts of the game, not to dwell on the game too much, but there were some things I wanted to talk about leading into this, because Titans, unhealthy, definitely need to get to this break. Everything going against them. But to a point, they were in that game, except for two big fumbles from the running back. Did you feel like the up until the, the game just got away from the Titans, were they in that, or am I crazy to say that they were in it until those turnovers really took took their toll? They weren't only in it. I actually thought they were the better team uh, until kind of the dam broke. They had chances to capitalize on some things, and they just ultimately couldn't do it. And that's not to minimize. Uh, when I say that, it's how uh, you, know, you can't just excuse the mistakes. You can't just say, oh, they're the better team if you take away all those mistakes they made. Um, well, the mistakes happen. Right? I, I, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's the nature of bad teams. Bad teams make those kinds of errors. So the good news is, is I think fumbles typically are, are things that can be cleaned up. Now, I also have been saying, feel a little bit vindicated, not in a good way, but in I've been saying my biggest worry with uh, Deontay Foreman is his ball security. And that's something the Titans haven't really had to deal with. So just like when we talked about early on in the season when you had the big plays the defense were giving up is let's look at how they're happening. How It's not that teams are driving down the field on them. They're just giving up these big plays. And from a coaching standpoint, you'd rather have that than consistently being stopped for one and two yard gains in the run game because how do you fix that? that that's a bigger issue. That you're just a bad running team. It's a lot easier for me to say, hold on to the ball to practice ball security to clean those kinds of things up than it is to have full systemic failure in your team. So I actually just watching it, it's crazy. You know, you look at the score and everything, but I was actually a little more encouraged with how the game turned out. And when you look at, you know, predicting how this team would uh, end the season. Right. So not to back up even further, but that, that rain game that was the Texans, there should have been no, storylines or, or sorry conclusions made about teams that day right it was just a, a crap day and a crap fest <laughs> roster and just crappy things happen i mean it was just a crap day all around but you you look around and i i, I kind of agree with what you're saying there where i felt i watched this game plan i watched this running game and i went all right the titans they're running the ball today 
they got some big runs. They they were able to control the ball a little more, and they looked more like themselves for the first time since Derrick Henry went down, in my opinion. Uh, and outside of those of those turnovers, of course, then they had a ball game going. So to what you're saying there, it's it's so much easier to tell them, hey, correct this little step or correct this hold or just just do this, as opposed to all five offensive linemen, you know pooping down their leg and not making their blocks. I mean, at least the blocks were being made. Uh, you had people like Aaron Brewer being able to step up for Nate Davis. Those kinds of things happening is very positive when you have starters out and you're finding some consistency in the run game, which is a very big part of your offense. And you, to credit to you, uh, weeks ago, or whenever, the, when Derrick King went down, you said, I don't expect the Titans to change all that much. They're, they're going to do what they do, and they they have for the most part. So this was kind of a, a, a move back to who they were in, in a way for me watching that run game. But do you, do you think after last week that their run game is back as they're preparing for, you had some good news from Derrick Henry today, got leaked out, not leaked out, but just they're expecting him back before even the playoffs apparently. Uh, so it means, uh, you know, um, treatment must be going well, but how are your feelings on this offense as they move forward and getting, starting to get all these players back that are, that are coming back to practice this week? Well, I've been I've been pretty vocal about saying I'm not going to judge this team regardless of wins and losses uh, until after the bye week. I said that as soon as they put Julio Jones on IR, because it very much came across as a move that they said, okay, we have this huge lead in the division. We built this team to win a Super Bowl, not get a number one seed, not even win the division, but to win a Super Bowl. And I think they've had some injuries throughout the process that I feel pretty confident that they would have asked players to play through mm-hmm. um, if that was something that they needed to do. They took advantage of the lead, and that's the thing. They could end up not finishing the season super strong. Now, part of that, they've kind of earned that right by starting the season out what they did at 8-2. and two. You kind of buy your chance to do that. Now, are you doing that because your team is getting exposed and you're just withering down the stretch? Or are you doing that because you've stashed some players on IR because you say, I need Julio, I need A.J. Brown, I need Bud Dupree, I need Derek Kent. Derek Kent doesn't fall into this category. He was obviously truly injured. But I need those guys healthy for the playoffs. I don't care about any of the other stuff. And I think that the way that the, the rules for the injured reserve have been structured due to COVID – allows them to play a strategy that we really haven't seen in the NFL before just because it allows you to put guys on there and truly just shut them down and bring them back. So I think you talk about a couple of years ago, you had the Saints game where the Titans completely shut it down, said this game doesn't really matter to us. They lost the game. We, you've seen that they're willing to do things like that. I think it's a, kind of hidden a little more with the COVID rules because they can put them on IR. It's not, we're just not going to, activate them for game day. That's a very obvious, oh, well, they were good to right. go. They just shut them down. Right. So I think you're seeing a couple of different things here. But, yeah, I mean, I think the Titans, as you move forward, when you get Julio Jones back, I said they lost all, all three of the big three weapons on offense. I said you can afford to lose one, maybe two. Maybe. All three. <laughs> but all three, you got to have them. And so you still have a chance to be the Titans to have all of your key weapons Despite all of their injuries, you have a chance to have all of your key weapons going into the playoffs. 
Which is big. And, and, and kudos to Vrabel for taking advantage of some of these new additional rules. And, and I, I got to tell you, just to kind of go off script, off script here a little bit, I don't have this written down, but I think that one of the things that people were concerned about not knowing Mike Vrabel, you know, being a young head NFL coach, you know, for the first time when he first came in the Titans, that he, he gave off kind of a meathead mentality, right? I mean, not that he is. I'm not saying he is one, but people were concerned. Uh, he is. Yeah, well, he is, but they were concerned that he was just going to be a meathead, right? But he's really proven to to dive in and be a student of the game and know ins and outs of rules. And he, you know he's on the competition committee, or, or I think, or whatever he is. He's subtweeting the uh, you know the referees during games about what's a catch, these kinds of things. So I mean, but he really does a good job of, of knowing what's going on there. And you, you've got to kind of think that this team can find ways to fight through these situations because they know that Vrabel is there pulling all the strings and doing everything he can. He's not going to give up, so they're not going to give up on him. Uh, and, and when you have that locker room, so when I say this, it's not that he has control of that locker room, even though he does. I don't know, like he's not a dictator and, you know, whatever, but that locker room has bought into what he's selling them. And that's a big thing for a coach. When you have a locker room, when you have their ear, when you have their um, willingness to do what's asked of them and because you're doing it in a reasonable way, right? Because people doing things out of fear isn't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this team buying in and, and, and trying to weather the storm together. They put all these, to your point, they put everyone on. They said, okay, our big dog, Derrick Henry, is going to be out for this amount of time, 10 weeks, whatever it is. Do we really, this stretch coming up, we may go two and two. Do we really need these guys, get them a chance to get healthy? I mean, that's that's kind of a big thing to say, but to your point, when does this run matter? Does the run matter in the midway point of the season? Do you want to be the midweek or midpoint season champs, or do you want to be the Super Bowl champs? The, the, the run that matters is getting in the playoffs and making that run later in the year, and you've said that for years. Oh, absolutely. The hot team at the end is what really matters, and I think, would you have liked to have taken the Patriots game because it gives you a chance at that number one seed, and would you have liked the Bills to not do whatever the hell I watched on the Monday night game? <laughs> God, they're um, a mess, too. That's a, they're a fully healthy team, and they're a mess. So, I mean, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, you still have a pretty decent shot at the number one overall seed in the AFC. I also don't think that the number one overall seed is that important. I mean, I, I will say that the Titans, the way they have built their team, travel, right? Other than maybe Julio Jones' hamstrings are turned to mush in cold weather. But I mean, it's one of those that you, the Titans are built to travel there. And you go back and you watch the Patriots, even against the Bills. Matt Jones clearly was not super impressive. Their run game really executed against the Bills' defense that played atrocious. Um, I was pretty critical uh, about the Titans' defense and their ability to stop the run against teams that truly committed to it. And I'm kind of changing my tune. Uh, my, my tune was a little bit on the sense of they hadn't been challenged. Some teams have actually challenged them on it, and they've done pretty they well up. In, in stopping it. And so I think, look, the, the Titans in the Patriots game, you got to remember it wasn't just the plays that the Titans gave up with the turnovers. It was the turnovers they didn't make. Kevin Byard had a clear pick that he just doesn't make that he has generally been making every single uh, game this season. You had the Bourne play, well, two of them. One was a perfect pass in pretty good coverage by Kevin Byard. And then the other one was a fluke play where he hits the sideline and somehow doesn't get get pushed out. Those things happen, and credit to the the Patriots for making those plays. But those aren't plays that are generally going to translate over a long period of time. Right. And so I'm, Patriots are a great team. They're, they don't beat themselves. That is the Bill Belichick mantra. They're not going to beat themselves. 
but they're not a superpower by any means, and they can be beat. And I think what you saw with the Titans is they're capable of beating them, even even with the injuries that they have, let alone when they can get back their superstars. Yeah, two things. First of all, it was a treat for me to watch uh, how happy Bill Belichick was after that Bills game because that joker knew that he put in a simplistic game plan and he knew what would, what it would take to win that game in that weather, and it worked <laughs> for him. I mean, and he was just so happy that they basically just ran uh, – essentially two running plays at the bills all night. I know it wasn't just two running plays, but it was, you know, left and right. And it was very similar concepts all night. And they just, it's a, it's a G pool uh, yeah. left and right. And you talked about going back to basics of football. I mean, how, how long have NFL defenders been practicing to stop a G pool? Since middle school? Since football? Probably since peewee football. <laughs> And so to, to be able to do that with the foundation and win an NFL game, and I think I joked with you at one point that it was like watching uh, you and I play Madden, <laughs> where it was like the game, and the game was over at 10 o'clock central time. Most of the time, I'm like, I guess I'm going to stay up late to watch this game that doesn't matter. This one, I was like, oh, this game kind of matters. And, uh, oh, never mind, it's over, and I'm, I'm going to make it in bed in time. So um, it, the, the old school coach in me loved it. Um, but also from, from the Patriots perspective, cause that's the most way to demoralize the team oh, yeah. run them over um, <laughs> and, and bills, yeah. bills players after the game, they shouldn't be embarrassed when they held them to this D- dude. They, they literally ran two plays whenever they wanted to. And you couldn't stop anything. You couldn't stop a quarterback sneak from, from, from third and five <laughs> to get them to where they could do it again. Now. He got lost in the mess. Good luck overturning it uh, in the next play. But I mean, just they 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 ran at will on the Bills. Yes, you should be embarrassed after watching that game because it wasn't like they were trying to trick you at all. Well, and and one other thing on the game that's not the Titans, and most of our listeners are here to talk Titans. I just want to talk about the Bills and one one player in particular, Josh Allen makes some unreal plays. I will give mm-hmm. him credit for that. I will also say that a lot of those plays that he makes are because of the positions that he puts himself in. He had a wide open on a third and 19 digs going across the middle, who probably scores on it. Probably. He, he, he gets the first down for sure, but probably walks into the end zone. And Josh Allen had a perfect pocket, but this dude is running for some reason because that's what he primarily does. And, and you can sit here and say, you know, oh, well, maybe he wouldn't have seen him anyway. I mean, it's, it's Diggs, right? I mean, that's got to be your How are you not targeting Stefan Diggs in that yeah. offense? So, so he absolutely has that in his reads, but runs out of it. Now, he stiff arms the guy and throws something. Everybody's like, oh, Dawson Knox dropped the pass. Dawson Knox didn't drop the pass. Defender made a hell of a play. Hell yeah, he did. But the it, fact, it was the late and shouldn't have been thrown there. Yeah, and Josh Allen runs into a lot of his own problems, and that's not a dude that I it, – it doesn't make sense to me that whenever you're making those kinds of plays that you can be touted as truly one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL, and it's definitely not a dude that I'm betting is going to go on a run and win the Super Bowl. Yeah, not to rant on it, but there was also that play where he, he, he literally ran himself to a sack, somehow stays up and runs himself into a worse sack when they needed a field goal in bad weather. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's – it is fascinating, the Bills, knowing that they play in Buffalo, New York, have built a team with an offense that seemingly can't play in cold weather. So, yeah, and, and that brings me to my second point. If anyone's tagging along, I did say two points and before I went to my Bill Belichick thing. is My second point is that you know, if the, a healthy Titans team, there's not really a team in the AFC that scares me in the playoffs. 
I mean, not not that I just think that, oh gosh, I don't want to face them. I'm not saying the Titans can't lose any game. I'm not trying to be all cocky and say the Titans can be anybody. I'm just saying the Titans match up with anything I've seen out there. Everybody seems to have their own mess, right? And and varying levels of injuries. If the Titans can get healthy, I'm more confident in what I saw at them at their peak and their best than I have in some of the other teams this year. And they face some of those teams and, and, and were able to compete against them during that stretch. Yeah, and let's not just stop at the AFC. I mean, if you took at the NFC, I mean, you, you look at it. If you didn't, if Aaron Rodgers didn't have his history, if Tom Brady didn't have his history, and you just look at how those teams are performing this year, those teams don't scare you. The, the team that is the scariest for the Titans, and part of that is the Week One fest, was the was the Cardinals. Are, are you betting that the Cardinals make that run through the playoffs? No, because that that, that, it, that requires Kyler to be healthy throughout the whole thing, and I can't guarantee that's going to happen. So when, when we say that, I mean, the, the season is shaping up for one of two ways. It could be a magical run for the Titans where things seem to align, both the combination of them playing well and having a team with a ton of talent uh, and other teams being seemingly down a little bit. Um, or the other thing, and probably just as likely, if not more likely, is you're going to look back on the season and say, what if? If it wasn't for having the most injuries in the entire NFL, there's only one team that can, I think, has even an argument for being semi-close, and that would be the Ravens. The Ravens, though, have not lost their most important offensive weapon. So, you know, yeah, what they have lost is an entire secondary. So, it's, you know, they're in that same mix. So, but I really think that's how this season is going to shape up. You want it, whenever you come in, you want to, if you're going to lose, you want to say you lost to a better team? I don't really see that scenario playing out, right? Do right. the Titans win the Super Bowl or is immensely disappointing because of what if? Well, it's also, I think that I, looking back at my statement, I think the one team the Titans do have to be worried about is themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that they, they are going to control a lot of this going forward, especially with guys getting healthier and how they go. They can't, they can't afford to play down like they have in the past. Sometimes those kinds of things. Um, there is a part of me that just because of what's happened to them in the past about the Colts, just, you know, if they sneak into the playoffs somehow and they get to match up early in the playoffs versus the Titans, that, that, Worries me just because a couple things, uh, the history, I know you said ignore the history, but history is history. And it's, it is tough in any, in any kind of, to beat a team twice in one year, it's even tougher to beat them three times in one year. Uh, exactly. That's what I was going to say. I completely agree with you. Beating a team three times in a single year, it, it's, um, you almost wish you lost the second one, right? right, right <laughs> you feel exactly. more confident in the third one. Right, exactly. That's my point. I'm not saying that I think – I'm not going to get in debate on who, what team's better. The Colts are good enough to win ball games. They've proved it. They're also bad enough to lose them. I mean, they're just, they're kind of an enigma themselves as well. But in a one-game, winner-take-all scenario for the third win in a row, I mean, it doesn't typically end how you want it to if you're the team that's won the first two. So – it's just it's just tough to do, and I and I don't I, I just want it's a, it's a scenario I would love to avoid. And that actually brings me to my question. My last thing before we get on to the Jaguars here is um, there's a the matchup this week. I, I believe the Colts are playing the Patriots. Correct. Your pause is being real. Yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be real with you. Uh, I can't answer that question. <laughs> So the silence was so, so confident. And then it, it, your silence was so confident that it made me sit here and pause and go, wait, is, is it, am I, am I, and it's not, but they've got you it are, coming you up. You are, you are correct. It is uh, December 18th. 
next week. Right. It's the Colts and Patriots. So that's coming up. So so when that comes up, both teams will be coming off the bye. So extra time to prepare for each other. So you don't have to hear any of that. But what I want to know from you, Jonathan, is what team are you rooting for there? Because somehow the Titans have worked themselves into just one game there behind the number one seed. They're, they're in number two spot. They're just right there knocking on the door. The Patriots do have the tiebreaker. The Patriots do have that advantage. But the Colts, the old nemesis for the South, they're right there too. So, so which way are you? Are you are you rooting for the one seed? Or are you rooting for the hate in the division? Oh, usually the one seed. Colts don't matter to me. If I if I'm the Titans, they they you you've done your work against the Colts. I mean that that's the game that you would like them to actually pull up and uh, take take the Patriots out, give you the number one seed. Because if you take care of business, then you're 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 in good shape. If the, if the Patriots can can drop a game. And then you talk about division opponents. Are they going to beat the Bills a second time? Right. I don't know. Right. So it's a, it's a tougher road for them as well. So I, I guess I'd agree with you, but there's that also that same thing of like, just, just bury Let's Let's go ahead and bury the Colts anyway. So maybe a part of me is going to be rooting for the Patriots. Plus I kind of like Mac Jones. Um, so <laughs> yeah, we're all tied. Excuse me. Uh, but I just want the Colts to die. Just, just, just die. Go away. <laughs> Yeah, I think, I mean, I think they're essentially dead. I mean, it, it, frankly, if the Titans lose enough games down the stretch that they lose the division, then that's a big, that's a bigger issue. Oh, and again, I, the season doesn't matter. I don't even want them in the wild cards. I guess what I'm saying is just, just, just die, go away. <laughs> you don't even get in. <laughs> Fair enough. So, but that brings us to current time. So the, the Titans could uh, tie for that <clears throat> one seat essentially by beating their upcoming, upcoming opponent, opponent. I'll get the words right here in a second. The Jacksonville kitty cats and that mess of a team that they're bringing two and 10 Jaguars coming to town already an eight and a half point spread, which is, you know, pretty big for NFL terms. I mean, it's, it's feels like it could be double digits, but it's eight and a half point spread. They're just a mess right now. Uh, you know, with everything they've got going on, uh, something of note, the, the Jaguars have kind of been the get right team for a lot of teams this year, just to kind of give you a, a what's going on. Everyone said that the Titans broke the Rams, right? Well, the Rams were able to end a three game slide against the Jaguars Falcons. They've been terrible this year, right? They were able to end a two game skid against the Jaguars, Seattle, had their own problems, able to end a three-game slide against the Jaguars. So the Titans coming off a two-game slide, coming in to this game with a chance to end it. The Jaguars have been that kind of that doormat, that, 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 I can't, I'm not going to use the term what this was, the, when you're a slump buster, let's just say, <laughs> I'll, I'll do that uh, for teams. Um, how confident are you going into this with the Jags coming to town with all this going on? I think coming off of a bye, uh, Vrabel is pretty pretty good with some time to prepare. I would be a little bit shocked if they lost this game. I'm not here to guarantee a victory, but at the same time, it would be uh, – and I don't know you recover if you lose to the Jags this weekend. Oh, you 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 find. I mean, obviously, you still have to get healthy, but you you definitely are are, are having some more questions if you if the Jaguars win. Uh, and 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 Vrabel's proving in his his head coaching stint here that as you pointed to just a second ago, he's pretty good with time, right? You know, they always say that you don't want to face like a Nick Saban or Bill Belichick when they have time to prepare for you, right? You're going to see something different. They're going to get their teams ready in a different way. Vrabel seems to be fitting into that same mold of a coach, and that's got to be confidence building for your team. 
No, I think absolutely. And I think uh, you talk about some big news is the fact that Titans claimed is that Cunningham off, off waivers and they're going to be able to insert him into the lineup. And I think you look at what the Titans have at that inside linebacker one had been decimated by injuries, but now you not only add a pretty good inside linebacker that is somewhat familiar with your system, but you also shore up a position that looks a little rough after this season. You know, mm-hmm. it looks like your future linebackers are a David Long and a Zach Cunningham moving forward. And immediately a position that was really hurt by injuries when it wasn't that talented to begin with right. potentially becomes a fairly stable and strong position. So you mentioned Zach Cunningham playing in, in um, similar systems before and being fairly familiar with Brable and possibly what they're going to ask him to do. Uh, Vrabel seems like he's always been high. He's always been super complimentary of, of Cunningham. So getting him, I've seen some people say, well, he's having a down year. Well, obviously, if the Houston, Houston Texans cut him, I'd be willing to bet that Zach Cunningham was probably doing some things to get cut by the Texans. People are wanting out of there left and right. That is a mess of a franchise. I'm not going to hold it against anybody who gets out of there for any reasons other than one person uh, who wants to get out of there for any reasons um, until they do it again with another team. I mean, people that you don't understand. I mean, think about this in your own personal life. Have you ever been in a job you just absolutely hated, but you weren't necessarily your good working self because you hated that job? No. Does that make you a bad person? No, that means you hated your job and you hated where you were and you just wanted to get out of it. So I think it was kind of a little bit of that situation. Plus, as you stated, now you have a locker room with some talent. I mean, this is a talented linebacker. He's done some good things in the NFL. I mean, he's coming off of, what, 160 tackle season just last year? I know that doesn't translate to this year, but, I mean, he just – it's not like he fell off a cliff, you know. Yeah, and I I tend to side on you you signed a contract you're supposed to perform. That said, if you you put yourself in Zach Cunningham's shoes. Right. (laughs) He went to to college. College team sucked. Goes to Houston. Team has some success. He signs a long-term deal. And right as he signs a long-term deal, it just falls apart. Absolutely falls apart. And so a guy that has had a taste of success, I'm not saying what if he's doing stuff behind the scenes, which very clearly he is. I don't think if he doesn't (laughs) cut somebody quickly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you don't don't cut somebody on that kind of a contract just for not playing well for a season. Kevin Byer, for instance, right, you know, exactly. last year didn't play well. Um, nobody's talking about cutting him midseason. So clearly he's no, nobody doing with something. a brain anyway. Yeah, and I'm not going to sit here and say that that's okay. You don't want that, but I get it. Right? I understand I the human emotion behind it. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I, I, you, you want a guy that that wants to win, right? But then you hold it against them if. They say, "Well, there's no chance of winning here, and now I now I don't want to be here," kind of thing. Right, exactly. So I mean, it definitely, it's not like a catch twenty two situation, but you know, I don't. It's not great, but I get it. And so we'll, that's why I'm saying I'm not going to judge him on those things fully until he comes here and, and does it here. And I think he's got a chance to, to play uh, pretty quickly and in a much needed time. Now, Rashawn Evans is also coming back uh, after missing some time. Um, not that that should blow anyone's skirt up or anything, but uh, it is a it is a player. It is a body to be able to throw back out there. Uh, Nate Davis having a rough year has a chance to come back and try to 
be the post concussion syndrome uh, symptoms, excuse me, and and and, and contribute. Uh, Julio Jones, you mentioned earlier, don't want to spend too much time there, but that's a big uh, get our uh, uplift for the the Titans passing game. Jeremy McNichols coming back as well has got to be pretty positive, uh, especially when you see they found two running backs that can run the ball. And now you've got one that can be your third down back. You've got one that could possibly come back in and fall into his old role, who ha- who has been dynamic for the Titans at times in the past. So getting him back uh, is good. Uh, Danny coming back as well this week with full full practice participant. Jayon Brown, full practice participant. Um, and some guys to watch, though, obviously, Danico Autry uh, went from limited to did not practice. Could be just maintenance, but just something to monitor. And then T.R. Tart uh, did not practice both days. So just, just, just to keep those in mind. And, of course, uh, David Long um, there as well. So, yeah, I mean, you're seeing what you want to see is that's getting healthier coming out of the bye. I mean, it, now will Cunningham fit into a defense after just a couple of days of practice? Don't, don't know. But again, this is a team very much with the long term mindset, at least in this season. So I, I think you see, I think pretty clearly this is Rashawn Evans' last season in Titans uniform. Especially this Jay on, yeah. yeah, probably Jayon Browns as well. Yep. So I think uh, just you hope that. Zach Cunningham doesn't come here and immediately is struck with a uh, with a torn ACL or something by signing with Titans. Shh, 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 shh. Yeah, don't, just just it's not on some wood, but golly, no. But but to your point, you just kind of hope that it pulls together because now that linebacker room is looking a little 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 good, you know, compared to what it was. I guess that's my point about Rashawn Evans coming back is not, you know. Don't look at the player, but at least he's someone who can come back and fill some some plays while while Cunningham's getting up to speed. I guess yeah, not point. the worst kind of guy to have it right. as depth on the team, and he's still going to get some snaps. I mean, the the funny part is everybody likes to dunk on Rashawn Evans, and he's probably having his best overall season. Yeah, it, it, it sucks that the, the, the Titans again, the guy that's having his best overall season, is, is having to go through his injuries and have to deal with this. But I think the part he's having his best overall season is because of the front that's been in front of him for the most part. Oh, I would definitely agree with that, and I'm not saying. I'm not, and I'm not knocking for Evans. Yeah. I mean, he's he's taking yeah, he advantage played, of what's he in front of him. He played at Bama. You feel like you have to contextualize it now because <laughs> you feel bad that you besmirched the name, no, and now no, elephants no, are no. going to just sort of trample over your house. So, no, no, no. Uh, I think we, uh, I don't think it changes how you view Evans long term, but just saying that as a depth guy, I think he's definitely valuable in that role at this point. Right, exactly. So a lot of guys coming back to contribute. A lot of good things happening for the Titans at the right time, the right team coming into town possibly. Uh, Jaguars have not won in Nashville since 2013. Some players are taking that personally on the Jaguars. They're, they're saying that they're very mad about that and they're going to do something about it on Sunday. And I know how you feel about locker room talk, you know, but the, the things are going on there. Uh, starting players are being benched for for weird reasons. The quarterback is backing them against the against the head coach, you know, going against the kind of Trevor Lawrence doing that, saying he's, he stands with Robinson there. Uh, why is on the field, those kinds of things. Uh, Trevor also says that he's going to let it rip versus the Titans this week, where Lawrence has one touchdown pass in his last five games and no completions that gain more than 30 yards since week five. Where are you with that statement? Those The statement, A, the, the Jaguars taking it personal and they really want to hit someone in the head, basically, over knowing that they haven't won in Nashville since 2013. And the second quote, Trevor Lawrence saying he's going to, to let it rip and, 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 and really take it to the Titans. Uh, a couple of things. One, I hope the people taking it personally were all drafted by the Jaguars because the only thing they should take personally <laughs> otherwise would be their decision to go play for that team. Uh, and then, if, you know, 
Trevor Lawrence wants to let it rip, then he probably needs to go take some gas ups because that's about the best way I think you're going to see from that. So ultimately, look, Lawrence is going to put up some yards. He's not a, he's not a bad player. In fact, he's pretty good, but he has nothing around him. His best his best weapons around him have been injured. Um, and so, it, it, again, I come back to if you lose to the Jaguars coming off of a bye Gonna be hard to sell much excitement for the rest of the season. They can be, and yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. Locker room talk, JJ Watts of the world, good for you, buddy. Whatever gets your jollies off, but ain't nobody ever gonna win a game because of a locker room talk. I mean, it, it works in the movies. Oh, the yeah. movies are great. Oh, yeah. You get goosebumps. You're like, dang, man, I want to run through a wall. Well, guess what? The wall doesn't really hit back a lot, and there's not a lot of strategy on that side. But acting like the other team ain't motivated. That's that, a little one-sided, but it's a good story. Oh, yeah. And I think I read that also, um, along with uh, the Jaguars not winning, there's only four current – I don't know who the four are. But there's only four current Jaguars who have ever won in Nashville, and they did not win while they were on the Jaguars. Not a whole lot of winning experience in Nashville on that team, I guess, is where I'm going with there. So I, I don't understand, you know, what they're taking personal. And like you said, locker room talk is a little overrated, in my opinion. It works for the blind side or remember the Titans and all that kind of stuff. But eh, not, that's not so much in real life. At least I'm, I have a hard time believing it. Um, but this game, like you said, coming out of bye week, what are some of your keys uh, to victory for the Titans? Well, I think it starts with, you know, turnovers. They turned the ball over nine times in the last two games. Clearly, that cannot happen uh, to, to win football games in the NFL. So I know that sounds very cliche, but it's obviously a point of pride whenever you've done it nine times in two games. So you got to start there. Um, I think ultimately, can you start getting some of your stars work back in, get some catches to Julio? I don't even know if you have to lean on him too much in the first game back, but make sure he's starting to get those, those gears revved up again. Um, and then I think mostly you, you go back to what you did previously and you really found some traction in the run game la- the, the last game you were out there. So you really want to lean on that. I think what you saw is some effective uh, running on the, those duos and zone calls and, and still get right back to that. I know that you saw fumbles there, but it was very effective. It was very effective at picking up yards. So, mm-hmm. um, And you mentioned Jeremy McNichols. I'm actually very interested to see how he actually fits back into the bowl because McNichols had a place whenever – Derrick Henry was not much of a threat in the passing game. Yeah, you look at a Dante Foreman and you look at uh, Hilliard, those are two guys that um, they're, they're not much different in their game than a Jeremy McNichols. So how does that kind of fit in? I think Hilliard has a little more explosion than either one of the other oh, two. For sure. So um, uh, none of them are Henry, but nope. where, where does, what does this team, and you've seen that this team – uh, John Robinson, Mike Rabel, like their guys that know the playbook that can contribute. That they, they show loyalty to those players. See Cam Batson, see Jeremy McNichols, those kind of guys. So, and where does he fit um, coming back, and, and who's out? Because I think ultimately one of those guys will be out sooner than later. Oh yeah, well, and unfortunately both be out at some point in time. But who knows? But but that's I, I I'm going to cross off my two because literally I said you have to win the turnover battle. <laughs> so to your points, so I'm not going to go back over that. But but you want to lose to a bad team, 
you 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 lose the turnover battle by a lot. So you got to avoid that. You can't give a bad team hope and let them hang around by keeping giving them the ball in short fields to work with. Because say what you want to about like I just said, he hasn't had a Trevor Lawrence hasn't had a completion over thirty yards since week five. You give you constantly give him twenty five yard fields to to work with, and that doesn't matter. So I mean, you just, you have to find a way to to not give the Jaguars short short fields. And also, you touched on the running game. And that's exactly what I have written down here. I want to see one of those games where as an offensive lineman, I played in some of these games, and you felt like things were going so well that you literally could walk up to the line, look at the, the defender across from you, and look at his linebacker and say, hey, you two, we're going right here. Me and my buddy to my left, we're doubling you to him. He's scooping over here on your nose. We're running right here. You can't stop us. I was a part of some of those games. And, I, and I'm not saying you ever want to come to the line and point and tell people where you're going, but you feel like you can do that. I want to see one of those kind of mentality games from the offensive line uh, to really kind of put the naysayers down. They've had, they've been playing better. Tannehill's been staying cleaner. I don't think he's the most sacked quarterback anymore in the league. I think that he's uh, in third place now, not in first place. Uh, I don't know the stats offhand, but they've been doing a lot better there. Uh, the run game, obviously, was in better shape last week as well versus the Patriots, who have been credited with having a good defense this year. So I want to see one of those kind of games against this kind of a team where essentially, even if they walked up and said, run an A-gap, stop us, and they can't do it. That's what I want to see out of the run game. Yeah, and it's pretty easy to say that coming off the Monday night game we just watched, right? Right, <laughs> say, exactly. Oh, well, the other team's pros too. Well, didn't freaking matter up in Buffalo. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Right>. Good Lord. <laughs> you have to run a diverse run game. That's what the Patriots said. They said, we're running here. We're going to go for three yards a pop. Y'all ready? All right, go. <laughs> All right, so that that's where I am with the game. That just it's real simple game plan, I think. And I, I liked how you said work Julio back in. I also kind of want to see at some point in time, are we ever going to see the ghost of Ferkser? Are we ever going to see Ferkser be what in this offense what they thought? And I think that they've struggled obviously trying to find his role when he's had to been asked to do some more some things that maybe they didn't want to. They wanted him, I think Vrabel at some point said they wanted him to be more of a red zone threat than he has this year. That's the other thing maybe I want to see is that. Those other guys, I think you know where you stand with a lot of those guys. I I have to wonder if they're going to try to maybe force or get Ferkser back involved at some point in time to be a threat in this offense in any capacity. And I think Ferkser ultimately, I, I think it falls back to he's he, he's a type of tight end that in certain offenses can have some good games. It was kind of my question about drafting some good tight ends to play in this offense that were going to be these pass catchers, a Kyle Pitts kind of thing. Um, Kyle Pitts, he, obviously the Titans didn't have an option to draft it, but those kinds of players. Now, I think for in this offense, they generally would have been wide receivers. Right. Uh, is not an athlete enough to be a true wide receiver, and he's not nearly a good enough blocker to play that multiple roles that you see a Jeff Swain and my boy uh, Mike Hole out there doing our call our call yeah i think i think really first is just like a man without a home on this team um just because of the offense that they run now part of that is his performance but ultimately schematically he he is a player that just doesn't fit with what they do sure i guess i'm just more disappointed too because i think you had the perfect kind of swiss army knife tied in and you let him walk uh, and I, I don't want to hear he's not doing anything with the, with the Patriots. I know what he did with the Titans, and I and I liked what role that John o. Smith had with the Titans. And I miss John o. Smith on the Titans. And call me bitter. I just I just yeah, would love to see no, him still here. If you're looking for schematically, what I'd like to, in speaking of the Jaguars, because the Jaguars actually did this with the Titans in the first matchup, I'd like to see them roll all three tight ends out there. Uh, sorry, being joined by uh, 
my uh, my little uh, co-host here, my son, uh, to give a shout out there. So um, what I'd like to see them do is roll out with that heavy package because the team is going to match that heavy package um, with players. And if they don't, you're going to have mismatches. But then don't just go down and, you know, bunch them all in a tight formation, but spread them out. Let those players be matched up in space. That's where I think you could see Berkser actually thrive. Get them into a, a heavy package, spread them out, and get him matched up truly with a linebacker in space. And I think he can do some work there. Um, unfortunately, he's not, in my opinion, enough of an athlete to really work against true nickel packages mm-hmm. and take advantage of some of these big safeties. So um, if I was going to think schematically, what I'd like to see them work in is some, some little wrinkles like that. Yeah, I, I think the wrinkles, and that's all I've been asking for this whole time. When I think uh, someone uh, um, messaged me and said, you mentioned wanting to see the Titans open it up more, where you want them to go all past it. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I, I want them to stay true to themselves on the run because Henry's gonna, coming back, and that's who you are as a team. That's, well... That's what you built your team to be, so don't abandon it. But what I wanted to see was little wrinkles here and there to, to try to get their receivers some easy completions for Tannehill, uh, give the defenses things to look at because you know you just have to find easy ways, easy completions, easy wins. And that's all I wanted to see from the offense. And that's what I've been seeing the past couple weeks out of Downing is some of those easy wins come to fruition even though the results haven't matched at times as far as score. I, I, thought, I thought there. So, so I'm in agreement with you there. And that's maybe why I'm singling out Ferkser because I think that's someone they could gadget to, not gadget, gadget like an athlete, but like find a little wrinkle to get him to take advantage of something if they can put the big out there and then get him matched up on a, on a linebacker that can't cover him and those kind of things. Because he can catch, he's got great hands, and he's smart. So I want to see those things come to fruition and see if they can get some, some easy wins for both him and Tannehill in that situation. All right, I think we have uh, not, not, not quite. Yet. I was going to say we beat a dead horse so bad at this point that you can call us the Buffalo Bills. So let's let's move on. All right, well that's everything I have for this week. Do you have any uh, score prediction you would like to um, share with the audience? No, I think the spread's right about where where this game ends up. Uh, I refuse to predict double digit victories by team, so I think ultimately this is a uh, a game the Titans will be victorious in. You'd like to say it is in a definitive fashion coming off the bye. Um, I think it's one that probably is fairly definitive. The score may be closer than the game actually is. Well, yeah, I think I'm about the same way. I think I'm at about eight to ten points as well. Uh, I just, I, I like I said earlier, I really want to see this be a um, I really want to see this be a get right game in a lot of ways for for the Titans. And as you pointed out multiple times in the show, if you lose this one to the to the two and ten Jaguars, eh, we got some more questions than we thought. And this is going to be an interesting finish of the season if you drop this one and go to eight and five for sure. So it is that time. I don't know if you've got one prepared or not. Normally you you you're bubbling with anticipation uh, when we're in our live show for the joke of the week. And I don't know if you've got one ready to go. If you're going to go old hat here. Oh man, I do not have one ready this time. So I, I think I got. Uh, I think that I think we got a pass this week. You caught me off guard. Well, that's all right. Well, well, you know what? That means you get two next week on our next live show. I, I agree. I got a couple that I could have gone to, but it'll be a little bit long-winded for the end of this one. Yeah, I'm waiting for you to tell the whale joke at some point in time. We'll save that for a special, special occasion. Absolutely. I ain't, <laughs> ain't going to that one yet. Not for the Jags. <laughs> Not for the Jags. All right, so in closing, this has been the Coach's Corner, part of Broadway Sports Network, partnered with 440 Sports. Remember to be sure and check out all of our other podcast articles and all that goodness like Rob's terrible Twitter take on Thursdays, my pick which I still owe y'all for this week. It's, it's ready. I just got to get it drafted and sent out. 
out uh, for tonight. <laughs> All that and everything else you want at broadwaysportsmedia.com and on Twitter at BroadwayTN. This show at Coaches on Broad. Make sure you're checking out JB at JB on Broad. Myself at Ryan on Broadway. Well, until next time. I know it's been a while, but this is where you say we out. We, we out? Are, are we out? See ya. <laughs> Brought to you by Broadway Sports Media.